0: There are different times in Oman where I joke with people and I tell you, you're going to feel like you just woke up and you're in a lab. It has a very, a radiant feel to it. Good afternoon and welcome to the How to Train Your
1: Wagon podcast. I'm joined today by my wife, Kimberly, my daughter, Kaylee, and our guest, Doug Gleason. Doug, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Today's, today's episode is, destination is Oman. Doug, you want to tell us a little bit about your travel company and why somebody from North America should consider traveling to Oman?
0: Yeah, we said a good afternoon. It's actually good evening here. We're eight hours ahead of the East Coast at this time of this time of the year. We are ex- a part of Experience It Tours, and Oman is actually the newest office. We have been in operation in Oman for five years. Our owner has lived here six years. It took about a year to get the company open, but Oman has a free trade agreement with America. So this is an American company, yet it is a 100% Omani company. We live in this country. We love this country. We love the people, the atmosphere. It is beautiful. There is just such a stark natural beauty to Oman. It is one of the few places on earth where you can actually see the earth's mantle, where it has been thrust up through the crust of the earth. And it's that kind of jagged rugged beauty that kind of crashes right up against uh, the ocean and the gulf and it creates uh, quite a scene. Oman has uh, been called by many as the Norway of the Middle East because there are fjords and beautiful crystal blue green waters right off the coast where the cliffs and mountains just dive right into the ocean and you get sea turtles and spinner dolphins and all kinds of fun stuff. A little bit
1: for our audience who may not be familiar with uh, Oman and where it is in the world. you maybe want to see where it's located, what it is culturally, and maybe how an American would get to Oman?
0: Yeah, getting here is a long journey. It is a long flight uh, from America. Your, Your best bet is to fly a Gulf airline, meaning either Etihad, Emirates, Qatari. You can save maybe a little bit of money if you look at some other carriers, but those three get you here the fastest and the most comfortably by far. And Oman is literally, if you look at the Arabian Peninsula, many people might have an idea of where Saudi Arabia is. Saudi Arabia takes up at least two-thirds of the peninsula. Oman would be the toe or the bottom of the boot, if you look at the peninsula. And so it, it borders the Gulf of Oman, which is the opening between the Arabian Peninsula and Iran. And then it also borders the Arabian Sea, which is a part of the Indian Ocean.
1: Right, I think uh, Americans might not appreciate some of the nuances or different cultural aspects that they may look at the the Mideast as a monolithic place. Do you want to speak a little bit about the uh, Omani people and and their background and heritage?
0: Yeah, Oman is a very proud nation and proud people. It's very small. There's only uh, just under 5 million people who live in the country. And Oman proudly says that they are the first official country to follow Islam. However, the brand of Islam that is followed primarily in Oman is a very conservative but very peaceful version of Islam. And so it is a a Muslim country. But it is an incredibly hospitable and welcoming country. The people are smiling. They are welcoming. They love Westerners. We live here and people, we can't go to the market without people just wanting to talk to us because they recognize us. They know we're Western. They don't know what country we're from. It's very open in that way, yet yet on the same hand, it is very conservative, very traditional. The women here are all covered, many. We live in the south part of the country, and so they wear what in America we would call the burqa, and you only see their eyes. And it's different. It's very different. The men wear the white dish dasha. It's uh, I call it a man dress, but they wear the white dish dasha. And so that is what you will see in your comings and goings uh, with the Omani people, but very warm, very welcoming. Oman for, gosh, I want to say at least the last four or five years has been rated uh, in the top five safest countries in the world to live and travel. So if anyone who has fears of coming to the Middle East, you can cast those aside. This is much safer than just about anywhere in America.
2: And That's actually a really good point, because I feel like America has that stigma of having fear of traveling on the other side of the world
0: they loved us. And then I could on the flight with the Gulf Airlines. I know you guys are based out of Washington, DC. So you jump over to Dulles airport right outside of Washington, DC. And you can take a direct flight from there to any one of those Gulf destinations. So it's a one, one hop shop. And then from either Abu Dhabi, Dubai, or Qatar, you've got about an hour and a half flight into Muscat which is the capital of Oman. So it makes travel simple. It is a long flight, but it is a, it is an easy thing to do. Sure,
1: that's fantastic. You've already done a great job of selling us. So yeah. let me ask this question, because we're really focusing on Oman as a destination as opposed to maybe a city as a destiny. So where would you recommend we, we stay? And, and perhaps a better question is, how would you recommend we see Oman? And then pursuant to that, where would you recommend we stay pursuant to how you would have us see Oman?
0: Okay, I want to I'm just going to stop real quick cuz I want to we talked we didn't really settle on before. We talked about the 7-day, we have the 7-day, we have a 10-day and we have a 12-day. We have a, a 7, 12 and 14. And so the average stay is usually somewhere around that 12. You can see all of the north. That's not true. You can get a good taste of Oman in 7 days on the north. You will not get to the south and if you could, but everything would be so rushed. Um, it's not that kind of a place, but anyway, so back to your question, you would ask where you would start. Do you want me to go with a 12 day? I think
2: day? 10 or 12 day.
0: Y- yeah. Yeah.
1: Do what you would have this audience do, which is. You know, Realistically
2: yeah. with three generations, we're not going to travel for one week. We're yeah, e- exactly. We're going to travel for two weeks.
0: Yeah. And that's be, just being honest with you. People who travel are our, our number one market that we sell to our Americans. Number two is Canada. Number three is the UK. Number four is Australia. And it's because we're native English speakers who live in this country And if you have problems and if there's issues, we're here. Mm -hmm. You just call us and we're able to answer and take care of anything that that might possibly go wrong. We honestly haven't had to do that hardly ever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you're coming from America or Canada, uh, most of those guests stay 12 to 14 days because it's such an effort and the jet lag is real. People coming from the UK can do a week in Oman and they're so much closer time-wise. And they have direct flights from London to Muscat and Oman Air. It, it's a different animal. And so when we have our clientele from the UK, it's so easy to come here for a week for them. Mm-hmm. But from America, it, you've got another six to seven hours, oh, about six hours longer on a plane. And it's all those time zones. And it's, yeah, it's quite different. Where would we have you start? Typically, we do start our guests off in the capital on the north end of the country, which is Muscat. And Muscat is, there are so many things to see and do in and around the city itself. One of the options up there is also on the very, very north end of the country is a peninsula called Musandam. And Musandam is, it's the point at the very tip of Oman that literally points straight at Iran. And it's there that you see these massive cliffs dropping off into the ocean. And sometimes we will have guests stay a couple days up in Musandam. And then we typically have our guests finish in Salala. So we take a, a short hour and a half flight from Muscat down to Salala. And Salala is, as somebody who lived in San Diego, it's about as close to San Diego as you're going to get anywhere on the Persian Gulf and or anywhere on the Gulf. But Salala is beautiful. It has white sand beaches. It, I, honestly, it reminds me more of maybe a, the Caribbean a little bit. It's very pretty. It's the greenest part of Oman but that's relative. Having lived in uh, Virginia, it, Oman is not green. It is a desert country. But yeah, so that's a typical outline. We would have you start up north, possibly hop into Musand, and then finish down in Salala, usually with a solid four days in the south. Okay,
1: great. So let me ask this question. As you pointed out, it's a, a longer flight to get there on any of the Gulf Airlines. We finally get to uh, the capital, Muscat, what would you have us do during that transition day? As we're getting our sea legs, and you know we, we may be in varying degrees of needing sleep or anxious to, to get out and about.
0: Yeah, uh, typically on the very first day, we don't have you do anything. We have you stay at the hotel, relax, get caught up. Most people, when you arrive, the Gulf Airlines all have schedules. It's yet to be seen if they'll change those much once the COVID restrictions are lifted. But typically, it gets you here to Oman in the middle of the day. And so accounting for jet lag and and so on and so forth, that that first day we we have you at the hotel, dinner at the hotel, just like you say, get your sea legs, get acclimated, and we don't hit you with a quote unquote the tour uh, starting until that second day in country. And that's very normal. And then also one of the things I wanted to talk about, you had, you focus on three generations of of travel, which I I, I think is great. I love family. And I love the, the idea that you guys are bringing those generations together and experiencing the world. There are, given that, especially if you have teenagers, there are, it is more likely that we would have you stay at a resort versus maybe even just a plain regular luxury hotel or that type of a thing. Just because with the three generations, we found that the the teens do like some downtime at the hotel and they want to have the nice lazy river and swimming pools and things to do. So we would have you stay somewhere. I think I'd sent you the the link for Mm -hmm. Shangri-La. That's probably one of the most popular. That is a five-star resort, so it's not inexpensive, that's for sure. But that is one of the most popular for multi-generational uh, groups that come in, excellent. Sort of up in Muscat. Okay. With that said,
1: the next thing is let's assume we we get our good first night. Question is, what are the uh, dining options? I guess my word of the question. I would typically contemplate at breakfast, but in, in general, what's a good Omani dinner? What's a, a Omani breakfast? And maybe what are the options for some of the picky eaters amongst people?
0: It's funny. I've lived here for over two years now, and you said Omani breakfast. Those two words don't compute. Oman is very different. It is not like Spain or other countries where breakfast is a thing and you go to this country and you're going to have desegno. You're going to experience a Spanish breakfast and I have stayed in enough hotels here and your best breakfasts are at the hotels. I don't say that lightly, it's just they actually have excellent breakfast buffets. Many of them have phenomenal dinner buffets. But for breakfast, there is one restaurant in all of Muscat that I would tell you serves a great breakfast, and it's a place called Darcy's Kitchen. And the thing is that because we're in the Middle East, it's a night culture, and so for example, my next door neighbor, we live in what you would call like a townhouse, and we have three floors, and it's a skinny like an American townhouse style. Our next door neighbors right now, we've just met them recently; they just moved in. They are Omani. They sleep until noon, but they don't go to bed until 4am. So it is a literally a night culture. Now, when we first moved here, we, we thought it was so strange because we would be driving, say, at 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and we would go by a public park that had nice grass and really great playgrounds. So just like you see in America, in the middle of town, And they were crawling with children and adults, like ants. It was, what are these people doing out at 11 o'clock at night? Shouldn't these children be in bed? Our next door neighbors, they've got six children and their kids just get up at noon. And it is a completely different schedule. So the Western idea of breakfast, they understand it, but they don't practice it. So your best breakfast options are simply at the hotels because they're ready To take care of Westerners and their expectations. Um, So sorry to disappoint you, there's not really an Omani breakfast.
2: (laughs) That's good to know.
1: Looking back at some of the hours in which my kids have slept in over the years, maybe my kids are perhaps uh, Omani because they (laughs) often tend to sleep into those hours if we uh, let them. So
0: It reminds me of my teenage years, and that is for sure. Now, that's only like right now. It's the summertime, and there are people. There are many who have regular work hours. It's also a nap culture, somewhat like Spain. I don't know if they. I don't know if they gave it to Spain or caught it from Spain when way back in hundreds of years ago the Muslims kind of conquered southern Spain and all of that. But from about two, one or two in the afternoon until about four o'clock, everyone takes a nap. So. Okay. That's another uh, difference in culture. Right.
1: So maybe I'll put words in your mouth and say that it sounds like meals there are, are time-shifted, but in any event, we will be well-fed after dinner and, and certainly well-fed before we em- embark on the day.
0: Absolutely. You were asking me for certain restaurants, and I started – it actually made me long for going back up to Muscat. Salala is a much smaller city, and there are some very good restaurants – But there's just not the the same number. The capital city has almost 2 million people. So there's just so many restaurants to choose from up there. Some of my favorites up there, and, and I had sent this to you on the email, that Oman as a culture, it's a seafaring nation and has been. Oman's capital actually used to be down in Zanzibar. Oman controlled what we say today is Oman, but it also controlled much of the East African coast. And so there are food influences all the way from Africa, literally to China, because if you look at the seafaring routes and everything else, they would all come across and go around India and then hop right across and go along the Omani coast and then down to Africa and back and forth. And so there's curry and there is so many spicy dishes and there is a lot of delicious food. In Muscat, there is one restaurant in particular that is called Razna. And it is modeled after an Omani castle, which our guests will all get to see many Omani forts and castles uh, throughout the countryside. They're they're one of the highlights of many of our tour stops. But Rasna is modeled after a castle, but they serve all traditional Omani food. And that is, if you're looking for a restaurant experience, that is one of the, the, the better restaurant experiences for I would say expats or foreigners to come in and have Omani food. Omani people, generally don't eat at that restaurant at all because it's serving the same kind of food that they serve in their homes. And that is actually one of our favorite things to do for our guests. If they're comfortable enough and open to experiencing actual Omani hospitality, we love to line up a home where they will open up their home. They are comfortable enough to do that and have you in and experience Omani food, hospitality, and culture firsthand. So that's one of our favorite things to do for our guests is actually have them go into an Omani home.
2: So if we were going to go into an Omani home, what kind of food would they serve to us?
0: You're going to have one of my favorite dishes. We're actually going to be serving it tomorrow night. We have some friends coming over. (laughs) It's called machbus. And Omani culture eats with their fingers and machbus can be served. It can be served with camel. It can be served with chicken. It can be served with fish. All three of those are very common. Sometimes you'll get all three in one meal. And, and so machbus is, it has coriander leaves, cilantro, mint, it's got caramelized onion. It has all saffron. It has all of these spices and flavors that come together. A za'atar spice, and it is delicious. It is a fantastic meal. We've actually served it when we go back to America. We have served it to our family and to some friends when we visited, and we make everybody eat with their fingers and do it. It's a lot of fun. People enjoy it. So there's a salad, lots of fruit, dates. One of the largest exports from Oman is our dates. The dates are commonly found from oman okay great Uh,
1: terribly inspiring so Mm -hmm. we've got a good night's sleep we're well fed and we're we're looking forward to our our first full day in oman i think you indicated we'd be staying for for a 12-day tour or so we'd be staying in the north and starting out in the capital muscat maybe what would you have us do on on our, our first full day or days in in the north
0: and again, I'm just going to shoot from the middle and give you what we do on average because we tweak our tours literally for each set of guests. And that's one of the, the things that we specialize in is customized so that you have the optimum experience for who's coming and what your interests are, be it wildlife, be it architecture, be it geography or geology. And yeah, but the first day we're going to we're gonna have you start off with the, grand, the Sultan Caboose Grand Mosque. And Sultan Qaboos ruled Oman for 50 years. He just passed at the beginning of last year. And uh, we have a new Sultan now, uh, Sultan Haitham. And uh, he's been given a tall order with COVID and everything else that's happened over the last year, but he's doing a good job. The Grand Mosque is incredible. It is a structure that is built by what Oman calls their 1500 method, meaning it is designed to last 1500 years. That is how strongly built this building is. And it is one of the most beautiful and photogenic uh, places I've been. The tile work is phenomenal. It seats up to 20,000 worshipers, its capacity. It has the largest crystal chandelier in the world hanging from it. I want to say it weighs almost 10,000 pounds and it is beautiful. The attention to detail in this mosque and the gardens and fountains and everything else around it. Uh, is really quite impressive. And Oman is a country that's very different from the rest of the Gulf countries in that they have committed to a truly Arabian feel. There are different times in Oman where I joke with people and I tell you, you're going to feel like you just woke up and you're in Aladdin. It has a very Arabian feel to it. There are no high-rise buildings. The tallest buildings here are around 10 stories high. And there, there are no structures taller than that, other than the minarets from mosques, which are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. But yeah, the, the Grand Mosque is a must-see stop, So that's the first place. On the the first day, we really do keep you in Muscat. We then take you to the Opera House, or the Royal Opera House. The previous Sultan had a true love for the arts. And uh, oftentimes the Opera House will not just have operas, but they have symphony, they will have ballet. And it has been rated as the third, I don't know, I'm not an, an opera aficionado, but it is rated as the third best opera house in the world. And it is the Sultan's gift to the world. He actually only went there for the very first grand opening and never went back. He gave it and then invited in the Russian ballet and symphonies from all around the world. And so it regularly hosts those types of of events and, and things. And it is another beautiful structure and place that we invite all of our guests to see and experience. And we follow that with the National Museum, and that really gives you a great introduction into Oman and some of its history and what you're going to be seeing for the rest of your time here. So going to the museum sets the table in a sense, if you will, for some of the things you're going to see when you travel up into the mountains and possibly down to the southern part of the country, Salala. And it gives you an introduction to the people and and places. And so the National Museum is beautiful. And then we finish off that first day at the Matrasuk, which is recognized as a World Heritage Site. And this is one of those places that I always feel like it reminds me of Aladdin. If somebody were to be running through with scimitars chasing somebody else, I would think, okay, that, that would belong here. It would fit. It would be. But it is a sprawling souk with all kinds of alleyways, uh, everything from spices to gold to silver. They literally do sell swords and knives and all kinds of different Arabian lamps. And if you've traveled to Turkey and other places, you, you may have been in souks similar to this. But it is a a great place and experience. And then uh, we have you eat dinner there up in Matra, which is where the souk is. And the Matra Corniche is a beautiful roadway and stretch where you can walk. It is gorgeous. And it's one of the most photographed areas in all of Muscat.
1: Okay. Well, sounds exciting. And in real time, my wife's been uh, pulling up images uh, as what you described. These sites just look stunning and spectacular.
0: It really looks like that. Fortunately, the coastline is protected by the mountains here in Salalah and up in Muscat. But if the winds shift to a funky, not normal direction, you can get a dusty day, and obviously that's something you, uh, you can't, can't control. control. <laughs> but as long as it's not as long as it's not too dusty, it really looks like that. I lived there for a year and a half, and I don't think I ever went to Matra and didn't take a picture. <laughs> I mean, it was just. It's the, And there's some great hikes in mantra, depending on how ambulatory everyone is or not. This is one of those things where you've got three generations. Mantra is one of the perfect examples. Those who want more of a walk can just stay along the corniche. It's gardened. There's beautiful flowers. It's right along the water. You can slow down, sit in the shade, watch people, do whatever you want. And the other two generations, if they want, you can go head up into the mountains and there are some gorgeous views. There's some steep hikes. I'm in my 50s and I do them no problem, but I'm pretty fit. And my wife and I do them. We we enjoy it. As long as you're in decent shape, there's some great hiking in Oman. Fantastic hiking. Yeah, that's great
1: perspective too, in terms of the operating at different speeds and how, do you, how can you operate at different speeds out of uh, Muscat. So other aspects to speak to in Muscat or you want to speak to maybe... Leaving Muscat and some of the things to see in in North Oman?
0: Okay, so yeah, I covered most of Muscat and we really can fit in most of Muscat in that one day tour. There are other options if you want to extend your time in the North to do, but typically we have you see those main sites in Muscat and it's because Muscat is a city. It's the most modern part of Oman, but to get you into the real feel and the country and all of that, we take you up into the mountains, the Hajar Mountains, which they are so stark it is such a stark and contrasting view going into the mountains and the wadis are valleys and at the bottom of many wadis are what you would maybe call an oasis but it's there's all these palm trees and water and they're gorgeous and you can swim and you can hike and you can do yeah it's a real contrast so we after we're done in muscat we will you'll have breakfast at your hotel and then head on up to the old capital of oman which is nizwa N-I-Z-W-A, and on your way to Nizwa, we'll stop at Fanja, which is the gateway into the mountains, and it is like an oasis, and uh, there's some really great photo ops there, and then we typically go on the, if you're here for seven days, we will take you to the Nizwa Fort and Souk, now, in my personal opinion, the best day to do this, and I do try to get most of our tours to use this day as a kind of centering point. If you can get there on a Friday to the Niswa and Souk, it is a unique experience. If you could remove cars from your peripheral, you would feel like you've just stepped back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This is, there is a animal souk in Nizwa where they are auctioning off animals it is not a slaughterhouse they are parading the goats and the camels and horses and cows and bulls and you name it just like i would literally imagine biblical times i'm like if you were to go into a city maybe jerusalem i don't know and see them selling animals it would happen just like this and the people are are yelling out their prices and and what they want and what they're going what they're willing to sell it for and It's really just a phenomenal experience. The Nizwa Souk is very different from the Matra Souk. And so Nizwa is up in the mountains. It's nestled into a valley. And so that's all surrounding you when you're doing this. And so that's, I love that on a Friday. If if we can't get you there on a Friday, the Souk is still a cool place to check out. It's just, in my opinion, then it just becomes, oh, that's nice versus wow, that was really cool. And then on Fridays, the Nizwa the Fort is one of my favorite forts. It's not the biggest in Oman by any It doesn't have the best views by any stretch either, but the interior of this fort has been well-preserved. And again, if you're there on the right days, and Friday's one of them, there will be Omani women there who are making Hobz Omani, which is Omani bread on a hot stone and they drizzle it with cheese and honey and roll it up and it's delicious and they will have military displays from his from history they have arabian horses out there are camels that are all decked out with the the ornamental stuff on them and the nizwa fort is a really wonderful experience inside it's it has its own museum as well and it's air it it is also air-conditioned That's, a, that's sometimes, depending on when you come, that's a, that's a nice feature. But yeah, the Niswa Fort and and Souk is a great way to start your time up in the mountains. If you're going to take longer than a week, I often will add one or two more days in the mountains. And that's because there's simply so many places and things to see and do. There are breathtaking forts, UNESCO World Heritage Site forts that are totally different than the Niswa Fort. They're huge. They have or, or, ornate work done in the ceilings and painted and woodwork. And, and then there, yeah, there's Jebel Shams, which means Jeb, uh, Mountain of the Sun. And it has a place called the Grand Canyon of Oman. And it's very much on par with what you would see if you were looking over the edge of the Grand Canyon. It's an it's a incredible vista. Uh, and then one of our favorite places to have people stay is another mountain called Jebel Akhtar which simply means the green mountain. We joke and we've taken friends there, Omani friends who had never been. We took a, a mom and her kids up and because they'd never been to it. We said, we'll take you. And we were taking the kids driving up the mountain and her oldest daughter, she says, why is this, she's speaking Arabic. She says, why is this called the green mountain? It should be called the brown mountain. Uh, it, it depends on what time of the year you go. If you go after the rains, it really is the green mountain and it's beautiful. However, if you drive all the way to the top of the mountain, which you have to have a four-wheel drive vehicle to get to the top, it is a, a very back and forth steep road and they require four-wheel drive. It, it's paved, but it's just that steep. And so when you get to the top of the mountain, there are beautiful terraced gardens up at the top and they are famous for their rosewater and and these gardens where, where they grow all kinds of different produce. And then there's uh, there's several resorts that are right on the edge of the mountain. One of them is an Anantara, Jebel Akhtar. And that's one of the primary resorts that we will have people stay at. Princess Diana and Charles, way back in the day, actually visited there. And they have a point they call a Princess Diana Point. And I think she she was reading and he was doing artwork, or vice versa. They were painting and, and reading. While sitting up there at the resort, but it is a wonderful place to get up to the top. There are many villages up there. And if you're really wanting to slow down and experience some Omani culture, you can do a village walk and simply start your day at the resort leisurely, go out, take a village walk, usually about four hours. will get you a round trip back to the resort and you'll get to see Omani life away from the capital, the hustle and bustle of Muscat. And you just slow down. And because you're on the top of the mountain, it's so much cooler. And it's really quite nice. It's, and it's a lovely experience. Yeah. What else? Gosh, in the mountains. One of the other, one of my favorite is a small village called Misfat Abriin. And it looks like, yeah, it's M-I-S-F-A-T Abrein, A-B-R-Y-E-E-N. Um, and Misfat Abriin has some of the oldest buildings in all of Oman. They estimate that some of these may be as old as 2,000 years, and they are amazing. And they have a whole filage system, which is an aqueduct to an irrigation system that Oman is, is famous for. The fallage system in Oman in and of itself is considered to be a UNESCO heritage site. And one of the best examples of the filage system is in this village of Misfat Abri'in. And it has a stark, beautiful Canyon. You can walk down along the, the edge of the, of the uh, Fallage and you see these terraced gardens up close and how they water to this day and how they work. It's really quite a great experience. And there's some lovely rooftop restaurants and things that you can experience in that village that oversee the whole thing. And yeah, so there's some great times up in the mountains.
1: You know, you raised a great question earlier in terms of the weather and the conditions, you know, understanding that you're trying to juggle competing schedules, especially with kids potentially in school, when is the best time to visit Oman? perhaps accounting for three-generation pressures?
0: Yeah, accounting for three-generation pressures is really hard if your kids are in school, because you're really looking at November to February are the best times. And so the only time that you have where everyone is off, generally speaking, is Christmas vacation, your winter break. And just as a word of the wise, all around the world, there is peak and then there's prime and that's prime. So those for those two weeks, a hotel room that maybe was two hundred and fifty dollars will be four hundred or five hundred. It is. And we don't have any control over that it is what it is that's the most expensive time to travel anywhere in the world not just oman but it is very popular to come here and and the best time of the year to come here is the winter and that's why i said november to february the shoulder months of October and March, you literally roll the dice. And you roll the dice with heat is what you're rolling the dice with. Oman is a desert you know, country. It is very hot. It is in the uh, equatorial band. The Tropic of Cancer runs right through or just uh, south of Musa Salala. We're in the tropics, literally, where we live here. And it can get hot. It, it can get to 50 degrees Celsius, which is 122, out, out in the desert areas easily. And sometimes up in the mountains, it can get that hot as well in the mountain valleys and places. The typical temperature is 85 to 90 degrees, but it honestly is quite comfortable. I don't know if it's just, because I've lived here for two years, but it's, it's my wife and I were commenting today. It was, we think it was in the upper seventies outside right now in Salala, the weather during the summer is the total opposite of everywhere else in the Gulf. There's a unique thing here called the Harif where these ocean clouds come in and cover, and then the mountains hold them all in over Salala and it drizzles rain like Seattle. And after about two and a half, three months, all of Salala actually looks. It's one of the strangest things. You'll see these rolling hills and mountains covered in greenery. And then you'll see animals on them that you would swear should be sheep, but they're camels. So it's a very unique thing. And, and Salala is actually the number one tourist destination for Gulf travelers. So everyone who lives, all of the Saudis and the Emiratis and all, they all come to Salala right now. We see them driving all around. I had a Rolls Royce drive by my, drive by my house tonight when I was on my way home. Oh, wow. You don't see those very often. Sure.
2: So talking about the high temperatures, is there air condition in Oman? Is, is a lot of places yes. that you go to air conditioned? Oh.
0: Yeah. All of our tours are, we only do private custom tours. We don't do large group tours at all. And so in, when you are, all of our guides there, all of our guides are Omani. Okay. Uh, they are English speaking Omani and you'll be driving in a very nice Toyota Land Cruiser. Most of them have leather interior and heated and cooled seats, even some of them. So you're always in a nice first class vehicle and then almost everywhere else you go, certainly all of the hotels, almost all of the restaurants are air conditioned. Yeah, many of the, like now the souks are not because those are open air. They are not, when you're walking around anywhere outside, there's not air conditioning typically. Some of the outside restaurants actually have those big, they're like box air conditioners. They literally blow cold air at you while you're dining. And I usually just don't eat outside if I need one of those cause I don't like it, but sometimes I do. But yeah, it's if you're here from November to February, it's really nice. It okay. really is like Southern California weather. It's really nice. It's like when you open the dishwasher, it's and super I hot and humid. humid. That's what it feels like when you get out of your car in June. Sounds like my time in Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> uh, it's like that, but worse.
2: So, talking about I've been all of- over
0: the <laughs> South, and Muscat in June trumps. Any place I've ever been in America, Florida, Houston, wow. Louisiana, it is just, it's just, you just don't want it. It's so hot.
2: So, talking about the heat, too, and I know that there's like dress codes for women there. As an American, how would you ask um, us to pack? Because I think that's a question that's something that needs to be answered.
0: And what that means for Westerners, Oman actually has modesty rules. And so what that means outside of the resort, in resorts, you can wear swimsuits and they can be whatever you feel like is comfortable. Honestly, I've seen it all and it's allowed within the resort zones, but outside and in your touring, we ask all of our guests to, you always need to have your shoulders covered. So as a woman, we're asking them to wear something that goes off of the, not just a wide tank, but something that actually comes off the shoulder. Uh, tip, hopefully of a short sleeve, you need to be covered all the way down past your knees. So maxi skirts and or longer shorts are those kind of things for women. And that's it. The only other place that you have to, that a woman has to be very conservative and so does a man is when you visit the grand mosque. So you do have to have a headscarf for that and you can buy one you can bring one but you have to cover your head when you go to the mosque and men cannot wear shorts at the mosque you have to wear pants and you have to have you don't have to have long sleeves but like a short sleeve shirt uh, a man does but the woman needs to have a long sleeve shirt at the mosque so she has to basically be very covered at the mosque and it's just a, a respect thing so the dress is probably the only uh, thing that may be slightly different, but you can wear you, men can wear shorts and short sleeve shirts everywhere other than the mosque and women are just asked to be certainly by American and western standards conservatively dressed wear short sleeves you can wear nice loose cottony cottony things but short sleeve shirts and skirts and or longer shorts that that go to your knees if you're if you're a woman but you can wear whatever kind of shoes you want you don't have to wear a scarf other than when you visit the grand mosque and yeah so that's about the only thing that's different in oman this is tremendous you'll see the capital city go north and see some of the some of the mountain villages
1: and and wadis and geological formations This concludes this week's episode focused on the north of Oman. Next week's episode will focus on the city of Seville in Andalusia in southern Spain, and then we'll turn it focusing on the south of Oman, our episode that will be released in two weeks. Again, thank you to our guest, Doug Dreesen of Experience at Travel. Doug can be reached at at experienceatoman.com. Again, that's experienceatoman.com. As we were performing today's interview, we kept pulling up the sites that he was mentioning and looking them up on Google, different travel sites. And if you haven't checked out our show notes, please do so. We include links to some of the sites that he mentioned today. And the imagery of some of the sites in Oman are just out of this world. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you soon.